You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Patty Bedwell, one of the Elder Care Coordinators for Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today we're talking about wills, but not the type of will you probably have in mind. We are talking about ethical wills. I'm very interested in this. I didn't know anything about this, but joining us today for the discussion is Certified Senior Advisor and Jared Dula, Caitlin Clifton. Welcome, Caitlin. Thanks, Ms. Patty. I'm glad to be with you. This is one of my favorite topics. Well, great. I, uh, I plan to learn a lot in these next few minutes. Uh, can you start out really by telling us what is an ethical will? What's it for? Sure. You know, a lot of us in the business, social workers especially, advocates, even activity coordinators, we really revolve around this concept of legacy. And really, ethical wills are legacy. There is a context where you can do it wrong. You know, you see um, students especially come and want to do a project as an interview. Well, that's a type of ethical will. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do it is to be very intentional about the use of it. And so when you, you record an ethical will, typically as part of advanced care directives or as a project or even as a family, what it turns into is really an outlet for the older person, but also something that can be documented, passed down and shared. And sometimes and it all comes together when it's really done structured and intentionally, it's really beautiful. And so the key word there is legacy. You know, it's an intentional expression of the person's legacy. And that's why it's deemed the ethical will, because, um, you know, with last will and testament, that's about things, the, the things that you leave behind and how they are supposed to be handed down or carried out or given away. Well, what about your value system? What about your beliefs? What about what whatever it is that you leave behind? You know, it could be favorite things. It could be memories. It could be religious context. It could be values. You know, I think about my own family, my own ethical will, and a lot of those things are much more important to me than maybe the things I might leave in a last will and testament. Huh. That's, that's really, uh, that's really interesting. I would imagine that's a wonderful thing for families after a loved one has passed just to see what they thought, how they felt, and what was truly important to them. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's really what you hold on to. You know, I I think all the time about, quote, the things that really matter. You know, when you're in the context of caring for another person, whether that be a child or a special needs person or caring for someone else in a loving way, a servant leadership, what really matters you know, is it the books on the bookshelf or is it that trust and relationship and the legacy, what's important to them? 
And when you kind of shift that perspective, it really does become a whole uh, beautiful context for that person to really have a memorable uh, coping mechanism, you know, as we lose things like independence. So we lose things like our identity or even if we lose a job or uh, maybe have a new diagnosis or we're having to care for a loved one, a lot of those transitions, this is a really useful tool to kind of pack those emotions. Hmm. Um, so now as I was looking, trying to figure out what we were going to be talking about, um, I came up across some things indicating some people start doing these ethical wills as they're younger. Some do them periodically throughout their lives. I guess there's no set um, time or way to do an ethical will. Is that? That's exactly my feelings. I mean, I I have one. Um, I'm not young, but I'm not old either, um, I guess. So, you know, one of the the things in mind, and when when I teach this in professional context, one of the things that I have always loved, it's kind of been a theme for me, is the quotes about to everything there is a season. That's mm-hmm. kind of a theme, I think, through my childhood. I've seen that in um, artworks or canvases, things that hang up on the wall. I've heard it used at funerals. I've heard it at church. I've heard my grandparents talk about it. It's just kind of something that I've just consistently clung to. And so that could be a premise for my ethical will, that there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time of war, time of peace, time to weep, time to laugh, and my favorite, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Mm. So if that's kind of the theme or an overarching theme of my life, I'm thinking myself, whether I'm having a hard time, whether I'm dealing with a loss, whether I am sick, even whether I'm dying, that that would be very comforting to me. And I would love to discuss what those things mean to me with the people that matter the most. Mm -hmm. And I think that really is the captures the feeling of this ethical will. I know for some people um, it's farming. I have to tell you, Patty, I was somewhere the other day and I fell in love with a assistance animal. That's a little pig. She's Mm -hmm. the cutest little pot belly pig ever, but her job Uh, We started calling her the hospice pig, which I thought was precious. But her job was to visit those who were sick, ill, or dying who had had some kind of life on a farm. Whether they grew up on a farm, or maybe that was their trade, or maybe their grandparents had a farm, or maybe they just loved animals. But what it was, it was tying something that was very meaningful in their independence, now that they've lost independence, to bring a little bit of that back. And I thought, you know, that... That's pretty much an ethical will in action. Mm. You know, so the the ethical will or the questions or the conversation, it could be based around whatever's meaningful to that person. You know, maybe it's their work. Maybe it's their passion, their commitment, their relationships, their children, their religion, whatever it is. Um, I, I did one with a lady about sunflowers one time. Mm. They represented for her what they meant to her, her memories throughout her life with sunflowers. And it was just, it unfolded into this beautiful context of meaning. And she ended up telling me all about um, on the farm. And she had uh, 
been raised near an Amish community. And that became, she passed sunflowers and that just became a really good symbol for her. And then she talked about how they shed their leaves, but they, and bow their heads, but then they're ready for the seeds to be harvested. And that turned into a really beautiful context of the seasons of life and transitioning. And that was her way of being able to think through some of the things she's going through. And she is, um, she's fairly young, but she was caregiving for a mother that was experiencing Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And so in a way that's almost like putting your experience to poetry in a way. And I thought that I learned a lot. I thought it was really beautiful. Wow. That, that is very, that was very nice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that one thing it makes me think is, um, you know, I, I always think of wills as something that you, uh, your family is not going to see until after you die. Um, to find out, you know, where everything goes and all that kind of stuff. But this uh, ethical will, that's not really, is that, that's not really something that you save until after you pass, is it? Is that something that you share with your family? I've seen it done both ways. Um, I had a client that wanted to do an ethical will, and she said, I would really like for you to put this with my funeral paperwork, and when my when I die, I want my only child to have it, and I don't want you to give it to him until then. And I said, you know, as you wish. That's beautiful. She put uh, her picture on it, and it was handwritten, and it was things I want my son to know after I'm gone. Oh, and wow. it was beautiful. I mean, it was her values that this is... This is what church means to me. This is what honesty means to me. This is how proud I am of you and why, you know, your father and I, this is how we felt when you were born. It was beautiful. It was almost like a, a love letter that she left for him for that moment for comfort. And oh. so I thought, you know, in that context, absolutely. Wow. That, I've also uh, had them to where a child will do something like this to work through something hard and then um, hold it and they might share it with the parent or the loved one they're caregiving for, or they might use it as coping or a project or something for others. You know, um, I've seen quite often that a parent will do this and then, uh, whether it's the grandparent that dies or the parent that dies, whomever dies, they will leave it for a child at the funeral. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I love this so much. I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm actually a, a big fan of this kind of context in giving credence to people's emotions, you know, working through emotions with this tool. So as a doula, what I really like to do, if possible and appropriate, I like to try to document this process somehow. And then a lot of times I will try to take this to the family, either before the death at bedside when they're all there or maybe even at the funeral or celebration afterwards, instead of just flowers or just, you know, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. especially when families have a lot of flowers, I really like to take something personal, but that's hard to do, you know, it's hard. And that's a delicate etiquette we have in our society. Yeah, yes, it certainly is. But I could only imagine how well received something like this would be uh, for a grieving family. Have you seen, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, I was going to ask you, have you seen on Pinterest and the internet, now it's becoming really popular to take a recipe that's maybe on an index card, like your grandmother's handwriting, and turn that into either like a kitchen tea towel 
or um, I've even seen, seen wallpaper to make that a backsplash on in your kitchen or on a canvas. I mean, that's the same thing. That in oh, itself yeah. is an ethical will. You know, what? what is the emotions and what's the feeling about your grandmother's handwriting on your favorite recipe? You know? Yeah, those are just things we don't really uh, stop to think about. I mean, we know them when we see them and we feel them. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting them down is something else. So, so how, how does a person get started writing an ethical will? You know, I feel like it's hard. Um, like anything else, especially in the context of caregiving or sickness, it's really hard for a sick or dying person to discuss these things with their family member or their loved ones, because parents especially, you know, if your parents come to you and you say, I want to talk about when I die, well, they are, they're, they're, they're going to avoid making you sad. They don't want to put that burden on you. You know, we hear that the older adult doesn't want to be a burden. A lot of times this is easier with a third party. This might be easier with a church friend or a neighbor or just a friend that does crafts usually, um, it doesn't have to be creative. It can literally be a, a diary j- entry. It can be a recipe. Um, personally, as a doula, I, I like to do something like this. And I try to teach other professionals to be uh, ethically minded in the person's values, no matter what you're doing. So, for instance, if you worked in physical therapy, I would encourage you to, while you are doing the physical therapy renditions, Talk to them about whatever theme you see. And I know that um, our veterans sometimes will wear emblems of their service. Well, I want to hear about it. If they want to talk about it, I want to hear about it. But I may come at it a little bit differently instead of, you know, just what branch were you in or thank you for your service. I'll follow up and say, if you had to do it over again, would you change anything? Hmm. And when you op- open up that context of, I really value your experience, you'll be shocked at what comes out. You know, it, it can't it can't merely be an interview or a project. You're, especially as professionals, when we help people through this, we're holding space for what they feel, what's most valuable to them, and you give them an outlet to express it. And it may be very little, and it may be a lot. Every person is different. You know, when you go into someone's home, you quickly realize the overarching themes of their life. Whether they're Steelers fans, you'll see it. Whether they are uh, a military family, you'll see it. Whether they uh, speak another language, you'll see it. Uh, it just depends on the, the different themes. And there may be very, a, a, a ton. You know, I could see the sunflower theme right off the bat. Um, roosters. You know, uh, red roosters in the kitchen, a farmhouse theme. There's something to that. You know, kind of where did that start? And so for the person that wants to start thinking about those, I would say intentionally have have a process of thought or a conversation with somebody about their theme, a value, a belief, a favorite thing. Maybe it's sewing about memories or special relationships and, and they reveal themselves and then you just take it from there. So, so if you're a, uh, if you're someone listening to this, you're a caregiver maybe, or someone that wants to help, uh, help someone with this, um, 
is this something that you can Google and get maybe a, a, an idea of where to start your conversation? Or is it really just as simple as sitting down and being present and looking looking around and having that conversation and just starting from there in, in those little building blocks? You know, Patty, I would say both. I would say both. The first is the conversation, to have an intentional conversation because, and even observation, because there, there are verbal cues and there are nonverbal cues, but for everybody, there are certain times in life that give you that one in a million, million feeling. You know, maybe they talk about their marriage or the birth of the child. And then there are other times in life that give you that all-time low. And that might be it too. It may be an, uh, you know, maybe an accomplishment or maybe a disappointment, but those things are impactful. And as a, each person has to reconcile them. So a conversation needs to be warm and open and you let them guide. Then when you kind of catch wind of what they're about or what's important to them, absolutely Google it, Google it. You may get a, you may get an idea for what it means or some insight to it. Um, depending on the person, this may be an ongoing thing. Um, I laugh because is there are certain groups and social clubs that are really all about ethical wills. And it, it's funny because now that really? because I love it so much, I see it everywhere. But, you know, uh, think about things like Red Hat Society. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I never really thought about that. It's just a different context, isn't it? Yeah, and um, especially history clubs. Like I look at some of the volunteer organizations and, and even here, um, of course, you know, Patty, I'm a history nut, so I love history, but I see that. You know, things like um, the volunteer work, whether it's in a historical society or a certain group, what's the value behind why they do that? Is it patriotism? Is it love of home and country? Is it, you know, two or three things together? And so maybe maybe that veteran has um, patriotic emblems everywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, but the conversation might be about what does patriotism mean to them? You know, love of country. What made you decide to enlist at 17 years old? Did they check your eyesight? You know, um, some of the examples that I can give you um, when we, when I was telling you about my particular everything, there's a season, you know, a couple of things I would notice if that was hanging on my wall, which it is, is the reason I bring it up is, <laughs> you know, I see that's from Ecclesiastes and you mentioned about church. You know, the question might be, I can tell that that was an important part of your family growing up. What was that like? Well, that's a really open question. And that opens the doors to all kinds of conversation. Or maybe, you know, I noticed that 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 scripture starts with birth and death, but it also talks about other good times and bad times. Those things change us, don't you think? They they certainly do. They, they certainly all of those... Um, I will give a caveat or a disclaimer here. You know, I say look for verbal cues and nonverbal cues, You, especially as professionals and as uh, someone that is wanting to walk through this with another person. One, remember to keep it time appropriate for their comfort level and their ability. You know, I, in memory care, I do a lot of legacy and ethical will projects. Those are not going to be 
um, uh, you know, a paragraph form dissertation type of document. Uh, you meet people where they are, and that might be returning to that farm environment, talking about mother and grandmother. And then the second thing I would caution is that we cannot take people to a heavy, vulnerable state and leave them there. You know, I, I don't walk in and say, well, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Tell me about death. Have a good day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, because the whole thing about our ethics and our value is that they come from a deep, deep place. And uh, if you have have seen some of my other material or been in any of my classes, I talk about rugs. R-U-G-S. Everybody has them. And we joke in physical therapy, we joke that uh, throw rugs will throw you. Well, emotional rugs will throw you too. Everybody has them. And in our adult life, we go through them. This is rugs. It's regret, unfinished business, guilt, and shame. Those are the things that we look back through. We maybe resonate on or even sometimes have to come to grips with. You know, as we age, we have accomplishments, we have failures, we have um, struggles and hard times, we have great times. And so it's really back to, to everything there is a season. That's one of the things that I love about that so much is because it's so true. But it does help to process through some of those things. If there's a regret in life that is really bothering us, being able to reframe it, talk about it, air it out, and maybe akin it to something like that sunflower. You know, um, That's... my friend now, my client then, I thought it was so just beautiful and astute for her to compare this suffering of Alzheimer's to the sunflower. That this mm -hmm. beautiful person is like the sunflower that even though it loses its leaves, when it bows its head, it reaps seeds and that there is meaning that she's still there and i tell you patty i got so much more out of this than i think the family did i learned so much but that's that's probably my favorite example well that's a that's a beautiful story and thank you again for sharing that with us and what a wealth of information you've been on this i know i've learned a lot from this and i'm sure everybody that listens to this will as well um but Unfortunately, we are out of time. So that's it for today's episode. And thanks to everyone for listening. Now, Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Please join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.